This week's episode is brought to you in part by FNX Fit, a fitness supplements brand that can get you hooked up with all of your pre, post, during workout needs, as well as other nutritional supplements. Use checkout code CARLPOOLING at fnxfit.com to get 15% off your order. Christmas, everyone. Yes, it's me, old Christopher Kringle, just here, ready to spread a holiday to... Oh, and look over there! I see a small, gimpy boy approaching my sleigh. Come, come, young one, come. Tell Christopher Kringle what you want for Christmas. Sit upon my knee, even. Oh, Santa, it's so good to see you. Yes, Santa, that's a name I have not heard in a long time. But yes, it's me, I'm Santa. I'm quite fat, I have a beard, I enjoy the color red. Tell Santa what it is that you want for Christmas. Well, what I really, really want more than anything in the whole wide world... Yes, what is it, young one? Wait, tell me your name, young one. What what have you called? Sig... Siegfried. Siegfried. Now, were you born with that limp? Is it like a congenitive deterioration type of thing? Uh, I I was accidentally thrown underneath a lawnmower. What? How's the lawnmower doing, though? It's doing better. But Dad did yell at me saying, Don't I know how expensive lawnmowers are? And I never do anything right and... Serves you right, you limp for the rest of your life. You know, normal dad stuff. I, I can't help but notice that you're vacillating between being being a young child and very British. <laughs> what? <laughs> anyway, you were saying <laughs> Siegfried. <laughs> Which, I, I'm going to be honest. When you said Siegfried, I really thought we were setting up the lion injury. But, no, oh, hold on. My... <laughs> All of my reindeer died. One second. Let me go find some new ones. Hold on one moment. Siegfried, sit right there. There we are. I really thought we were setting up a Siegfried and Roy kind of thing about lions and tigers. But no, you went with lawnmower accident. But I'm surprised you have a dad. Regardless, tell me what it was that you wanted for Christmas, Siegfried. Right. Well, I what I really wanted more than anything in the whole wide world was, well, these pairs of shoes for my mother. Um, you see, she's dying. Please. <laughs> and uh, Daddy says she hasn't got much time. <laughs> well. <laughs> these shoes are just your size. And... <laughs> Instead of a simple cobbling, what if I gave you this platinum multi-Grammy nominated hit song by... Who plays that song? Right. I know that. Yes. um, Jane Dolph, the red-nosed computer deer. Can you tell us who plays that song? In any moment now, Jane Dolph. 
Or is it? It's, it would be Jame Dolph. I don't know if we couldn't hurry this up a little bit because I did just steal these from a JC Penny. Billy Goodwin. <laughs> Who? Billy Goodwin. Billy Goodwin. Did I stutter? This, I mean, technically, yes and no. Uh, you're a computer, so every there's lag in every process, but then again, it all executes. Correct. That's not the point, but I'll give you this record by Grammy-nominated Billy Goodwin instead. And then think of the royalty checks. Your mother won't be around to enjoy it, but that's okay. It happens to the best of us. Right. Well, okay. I'll go see if the lawnmower wants to listen to it with me. <laughs> Perfect. Um, also... I don't know where... Th- I didn't know how to end that, that particular <laughs> I think this is really the direction that the show is going to take in 2023. It's going to be underproduced, improvised, <laughs> holiday-themed sketches. Right. And less of our, our shark, uh, sharp, biting cultural observations and critiques. Speaking um, of wait. shark biting, can we do... A shark week for what, carpooling. What, one second. What, Jamie? I have an announcement. Oh. Okay. All right. That's great. And what, pray tell, could a computer possibly have to announce? Billy Goodwin is from Ballground. Ballground, Georgia? Well, well, ground ball is kind of what the song evokes from me in a, in a very... You know, from an audio perspective, it's like that's like balls being ground up. So I can, it's it's interesting. You know, you kind of write what you know. Beautiful. Thank you. Go I on. don't know how else to make that relevant. <laughs> there it is. Fear. Okay. Um, I forget what I was saying. That was on topic. But I d- I don't know what I was what I was just saying is uh. Thank you all for joining us, and we hope that you're having a Merry Christmas and continue to have a Merry Christmas here from uh, the Carl Pooling family. And uh, lots of days I really do feel like St. Nick, sitting atop the Carl Pooling sleigh, pulling weird audio (laughs) theater pieces out of my my big red sack and throwing them into your earphones, whether or not you asked for them. And that, that to me... That's you know, Christmas. Christmas is the promise of a obese man breaking into your home to eat, to drink some milk, and then and then leave some trash from from you know Radio Shack, and that's I sometimes feel like I'm the milk drinking trash monster from Radio Shack that's committing a small felony in order to brighten your lives. It's beautiful. It's the sweetest it's, thing I've heard today. Thank you. It, it, that's how I think of the show. It's a it's a metaphor for my life. Mm. So, and then you also can be a partially drunk, unconvicted flying felon when you give us the gift of your listenership. So, in a way, we're all St. Nicholas this year in our symbiotic, perverse audio relationship. How many more minutes do you think we can stretch this metaphor out? Like, has it got another two minutes in it? Maybe? See, when you talk about stretching a metaphor out, it reminds me of the waistband on old Saint Nick's pants. Hunter, sure, when you, you first better. bought him. 
<laughs> let's let's get started. Uh, but suffice to say, what a what a fun year we've had. Merry Christmas. We're we're in the Christmas spirit. We're we're on holiday and uh, just I wanted don't know to if sit you down. Know this, Chris? But Christmas I don't, does come this time each year. I can't. I don't have. <laughs> I have neither the crayons <laughs> nor the energy <laughs> to describe to you, Hunter, in what specific ways that song has ruined my life. Ah. Uh-huh. There's a couple songs that are terrible. One, the the problem about certain Christmas songs is that you could write them about anything. Like, tax day comes this time each year. Ah, Merry ah. taxes, IRS. And it's like, yeah, that's how, that's how calendars work. Ode to calendar is what that song should be called. Because the same day comes around at the same time every year. And I feel like I'm... Like, I'm developing a condition trying to just say that very basic fact out loud. But it, it, can you imagine? Just say, like, well, it's just a song. They're just celebrating. What if you people celebrated my birthday by walking up to me and being like, aha, it happened again at the same time this year. Incredible. That's how it works. And then walked away. You wouldn't appreciate that either. The other song that drives me up a wall is simply having a wonderful Christmas time. Oh. Which I've, I'm sure I've talked about on the show before, but it will be a yearly thing. I have a eternal vendetta with that song. Well, that's simply just not okay with me. Yeah. Uh, thanks. I appreciate that. <laughs> it's one of the worst gifts of the season. And it's a season for uh, many things. Giving gifts. And uh, today we're going to talk about potentially some of the other, the other Christmas traditions and the other Ooh. elements. Maybe the dark underbelly of Christmas. Hey, it's... You're, welcome to Christmas Town. Everything looks great when you're up city, but now you're on the wrong side of the track, Jack. Yeah. Maybe Christmas ain't so ain't so civil over here. Don't Maybe you know not everything's the, winter wonderlands. Don't you know that this is where the bad stuff happens this time each year, Jack? Yeah. Jack. <laughs> hey, Jack. <laughs> hey, Jack. Stop it. I just want to get the shoes. Oh. Oh. Wrong character. <laughs> I named him Siegfried. Forgot you that. Do, you commit one little crime for a pair of shoes, and all of a sudden, here you are on the wrong side of Christmas, doing unspeakable things for shoe money. Listen, um, <laughs> listen, are you going to buy the heroin or not? Stay on target. Oh. <laughs> Thank you, Jamie. I don't know what came over me. Really want to buy this crack. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) I laid the money down. (laughs) Okay. I just had to buy one pound. Uh, (laughs) Can you imagine if you did a pound of crack? That would be a Christmas miracle. Okay. Finally, we we found the comedy gold in that particular that particular coal mine. Yeah. <laughs> Did we? <laughs> it hurts. It hurts because computer thinks I'm bad. It's okay. It's okay. We can always unplug him. That's fair. Hunter, some gifts only come around this time each year, but yeah, you give us the weekly, almost weekly gift. Of the roadkill, and I was hoping before we jump in to that dark, the grimy yeah. Christmas backbeat, 
we could we could be bestowed the the eternal gift of the roadkill. Man, you know that sounds good to me. And you know, ro- the roadkill is one of my favorite segments of this show because it's the one I made up. Um, and I'm you know vain like that. But I kind of want to start another segment to the show. Um, you just called Jamie a, a he, and to be frank with you, I don't think I've ever asked Jamie what its pronouns are. And so, Jamie, I because you're a new member of this show, I would like to know what your pronouns are. I'm like a word processor. I eat your pronouns for breakfast. Those are a bit long. That's going to take a long time <laughs> to address. Hold on. <laughs> I, I am like a word processor self. Oh, no. A little ditty I've been working on. Uh, okay nice. all right hold on we've tried sentience with robots a couple of times i'm not into it you pipe down over there with the artistic expression okay uh well, so good. so your pronouns are i'm like a word processor i eat your pronouns for slash <laughs> i eat your pronouns for breakfast and that's i eat beautiful. your pronouns for breakfast self that's beautiful thanks for sharing that <laughs> and uh now do try try not to have any mutations in your code anymore you're becoming a little skynet for my taste (laughs) so to the roadkill um this is a wonderful video that i think is just good for us all to find some cheer uh this year aoc and her fiance 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 did i said that word right right did i say it wrong the first time i think so i have no i feel like i did it okay AOC and her fiancé apparently set up a camera to record their reaction to the World Cup final. And it's every bit as cringy as you would could possibly believe. So do yourself all a favor and go watch a sitting congresswoman of the United States of America fake react to the World Cup with her very ugly footed husband. So. <laughs> Quit hitting on her. Sorry, um, my bad. Unfortunately, I haven't seen this video. Oh, it's rough. It's I've been out though. of the news cycle for Christmas. Yeah, it's a gift no. I'm giving to everyone else. Imagine if you went up to your friends who were actors and you said, "Quick, act badly," and then they did that. That is what it would look like. It's very bad. It's a lot of hemming and hawing, a lot of fake spinning around, and that leaning into each other while we stare, going ah, like no one ever does in their entire life. Fantastic. Oh god. So they they made like a Disney special, a Disney a Disney direct to direct to TV special. Correct. Hunter, correct. let me ask you this question here. Uh-huh. When when they uh, cuz here's the part that kills me is that we've got like sitting congress people that think like having a bad YouTube channel is their job description. Yeah. Like that frustrates me implicitly. But do do who was in the World Cup final? Uh, Can you even tell me that? France and Argentina. Yeah, okay. I just don't buy. I just don't buy that AOC, who grew up in Queens or whatever, yeah. is really, really chuffed if France yeah. or Argentina win the World Cup. Like, that just seems so inauthentic to me. Mm-hmm. And I know you can be a Vertuvian and a world traveler if you if you pretend to like soccer, but it's uh, I just don't buy it. AOC, I tweeted at AOC this week. Even. Oh, how'd that go? I just tweeted at her two words. You suck. 
I, oh. Sorry, three words. I said, you suck, ratio. <laughs> so, I know what you're thinking. Chris, why are you so, why are you so obsessed with her? I'm just, what can I say? She's I'm just got wondering that why certain you're trying to get be- Why are you trying to get between Elon and his girl, dude? Dude. I, dude. Trust me. I'm here to pick up I'm here to pick up her her big feeded boyfriend when things don't go south. Nice. I mean when things do go south. Nice. Or when things go souther. Anyway, Hunter, thanks for <laughs> thanks for sharing that. Uh You're I'm going to make sure to watch that app. I think it'd be bad audio if I watched it on the show, but I am going to watch it afterwards because I love some good Michael Scott cringe humor. Yeah. Yeah. Well, get to it. It's a little Christmas cheer for everyone this year. That's right. That's right. Okay. The Great. Well, free. let's... Huh? The rhyme was free. I wish to be left alone. <gasps> Thank you. It's not the button I meant to press, but you know what? We have to we have to roll into this those sometimes. Um so let's let's do it. Let's jump in. So today we want to talk about something something that Actually, interestingly enough, Hunter and I both independently have been talking about, and it's it's kind of an evolution of these conversations we've been having with our families and and uh, other small groups. But it started on my end when we were listening to a song called "Same Old Lang Syne," which, if you know the song "Old Lang Syne," it's it's this really cool trumpety song. It's got a trumpet it's got a choir you're gonna love it but it's a let old acquaintance be forgot you know that one Mm -hmm. it's that song and then this guy i don't know his name his name's not important i would tell jamie to look it up i don't care but and also i'm i'm pretty much tired of jamie being awake and, and in my apartment because the it it started rearranging my drawers and oh, organizing things disgusting and it, that's just a hop skip and a jump from hey there here's a haiku and then i am gonna have to shoot my own computer um <laughs> that's the only thing that works apparently I we're listening to that song to have to too many okay we'll work on it <laughs> <Thank God>. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a turing test for yes. androids yes. uh so anyway we're we're listen to that song on the radio and it's a song about how this guy meets his old lover at like a cvs or something she's picking up monistat he's there to he's got uh, i make okay i'm taking a little a couple liberties okay relax jamie <laughs> it, it desperately tried to correct me from the, across the room <laughs> wow He's there to uh, for some cherry cough syrup so he can robo trip out because he's all alone on Christmas. They run into each other. They're like, let's let's crush a couple Red Bulls, see where we go. They hang out in the back of this guy's car. They kiss. They go their own way. And uh, it, she's married and all this kind of stuff. And I I on the fr- on the top level it seems like kind of an immature song about these people like old flames trying to relive the past you know a glory years type of thing kind of cringy on the under level it's this weird psychodrama that i think is really appropriate to the season where it's this guy trying to make peace with his past you know he's th- this christmas season is the time where you are going to reevaluate 
your life in a different sense, you know, and there's a lot of reasons for it that we'll get into, but he was analyzing this relationship and saying goodbye to it in a lot of ways. And what's really cool is at the end of that song, they play the little horn section from Old Lang Syne. So they kind of tie this more modern story about, you know, a guy and a girl hooking up over, you know, an infection and change it i'm making that part up <laughs> and they change it into they change it into this this very melancholy very ancient uh song by comparison they link those two ideas and it's kind of it's it's kind of pretty and so it got me thinking about you know why do we reflect during the christmas season why do we look why do we look to the past and that's kind of where it started with me and then the idea kind of evolved and unbeknownst to me hunter had been thinking along the same lines right hunter yes although i'm not sure there's like a specific um piece of art that would necessarily call out to me um you know christmas is just this time of nostalgia essentially and just this into the year of the way things have been a remembering of what has come to pass, you know, um, a recollection of past events. There's a bunch of like stories that kind of get associated with all that. Uh, there's songs that kind of hint at all this, but it's a, it is both a celebration and enjoyment of each other's company and the wonderful actions of humanity and what Christ has done. But then it's also this kind of sad time, melancholy time, something is ending, right? And it's the year and that kind of causes us to pause and reflect. I don't know if there was something more specific there that you had in mind, but um, no, just that we were kind of just both thinking in the same yeah. milieu. Yeah. yeah and and yeah. so it, it led me to this distinct thought and, and this is why kind of where we want to focus in the episode today because mm -hmm. uh, we went to we went to see we went to see the christmas carol mm. and you know when you think of when someone asks you what's your favorite christmas movie a lot of people name a comedy some people name something like die hard then there's all the classic easygoing claymation ones you know like frosty the snowman or rudolph the redness reindeer yeah you got your charlie brown christmases you know you've got those but A Christmas Carol is kind of this quintessential Christmas story, and it's a it's a ghost story, and and you know uh, now we have much more graphic, violent ghost stories, but it's not not a horror story. Mm -hmm. In fact, when you when you look at Dickens' Christmas Carol on paper, it's a it's very similar in a lot of ways to like let's say a Poe or a Lovecraft. There's it has a lot in common with those kind of ancient gothic horror writers, and so uh, that was pretty interesting to me. And then you've got these lines and songs like, you know, scary ghost stories of uh, and tales of the glories of Christmases long, long ago. And so it kind of got me thinking like, there's this this underbelly to Christmas that's spooky. You might remember our episode last year we were talking about Yule and Saturnalia and all those different Christmas traditions that kind of gave rise and are in conversation with christmas as we know it but there's this there's this spookiness there's this eeriness to christmas and uh i started looking up 
you know christmas traditions scary christmas traditions uh there's a lot of them actually there's and actually yeah. some of them are terrifying like you've probably heard of krampus which is kind of that austria croatia part of the world but there's there's a couple that i had never heard of that i looked up and there, i'm looking at a picture right now and i'm probably gonna butcher this name but frau percha or frau percha is an austrian and bavarian uh christmas tradition and this thing this witch and the the way they dress it up it's holding a staff with a pentagram it's absolutely terrifying but the point of it is that it is performing this role that has now been attributed to saint nick where it decides if you've been naughty or nice and then if you've been naughty it cuts open your stomach and fills you up full of straw (laughs) yeah that's we so we've toned that down a little bit in the past um yeah there's a couple other ones. Hunter, any any Chris, scary Christmas things that s- strike you? Uh, you know, we were kind of looking at some of these uh, prior to us doing this call today. And I, I, the Welsh are just insane. Apparently, they get a dead horse skull and use it to frighten children on Christmas Eve night or near the new year to just basically terrify the absolute tar out of small kids while they, while the adults kind of have a good laugh about it and wish each other happy new year. Um, so there's just a lot of this bizarre, like typically we would think, you know, the, the death, right. And all that would come during, uh, Halloween, you know, like that, but there, there's a long tradition of death, mystery, ghosts, and judgment in a strange sense all being associated with chris with uh the end of the year right yeah Yeah. and it's funny to see those themes play out in a christmas carol as well uh you know they they come though you know it's very the the spirits are haunting scrooge right why are they doing that because he's failed in some fundamental way that the play or that the story wants to explore um so yeah, there's a lot of strange things associated with Christmas that are there still in our culture today, but are hidden. They're a couple layers deep. Um, yeah, and I think I think it's really cool to talk about the the milieu and the history of a Christmas Carol in particular. Maybe we'll do that. Maybe, maybe we can analyze that later. But yeah. why is it? I, I've got some ideas and I've done some research, some historical analysis. But you know, why is it that you think? that winter and the end of the year especially in the northern hemisphere let's say right uh, which you know is the the basket of of western culture where these ideas promulgated but why do you think it is this this season of darkness and death and well i mean i'll tell you the first one is that it's dark i mean if you're in the northern hemisphere winter is just a darker time there's and you know there's all sorts of ancient superstitions based around that you know the mm-hmm. shortest day of the year being the winter solstice was the the nexus for all these these pagan celebrations etc mm-hmm. um but there's a couple other reasons you got any in mind hunter yeah um one thing just to go back to some of these older traditions is i think the grinch is essentially krampus right like in some strange way like a modern retelling i don't have any knowledge of that but he he seems that way to me like where he basically just goes and steals children's presents and stuff like that like he seems that seems to be to me to be another uh type of these 
bad Christmas spirits, if you will. Yeah, um, he, he's definitely because what Krampus used to do is on Krampus Noct, mm-hmm. which is the fifth of December. Um, he would go around and steal children and torture yeah. them. Yeah. Or, you know, the, the Grinch is kind of the toned down version of that where he's yeah. a scary imposing character, but instead he steals things presents. that children like. So right, you know, presents right. and decorations and this kind of thing. But yeah, he's definitely in the conversation with with Krampus for sure. Yeah. But, but to answer your question, you know, I, I think some of that has to do, you know, a lot of these, you know, are European traditions, right? And so you got to think about, one, you got to put yourself couple hundred years in the past and two you got to think about what europe is like when it's cold right and when it's in winter time and it's yeah. exactly what you said is it's dark um there's snow on the ground there's not a lot of heat or warmth right things die the plants in the field are gone the flowers are gone right the birds and everything that used to be alive and in, in your place are gone right mm-hmm. and in addition uh to that it's very dangerous nature is after you it's a hard time to live through um yeah. one of the things i find very Pe- inter- people die i mean people die. people that this is the number one uh, i mean if you if you were to look at death rates seasonal death rates around yeah. the year uh you know especially before the invention of of heating central heating and central air conditioning mm-hmm. uh winter is the time that most people died mm-hmm. because it's just way harder to keep yourself metabolized Uh, look and and look at all the different angles that you're being attacked on here first of all you're expending an amazing amount of calories to stay warm you know if if you're sitting in a room that is a comfortable temperature uh, where the temperature on the surface of your skin is effectively the same as the temperature in the room then your body has to expound almost no calories to keep you warm you've got calories to make your heart beat, to make your lungs expand and contract, right? But that's not that's not too many calories. So, but when it's cold, your body starts shutting down, and you're you have to start spend expending energy to shake and vibrate and heat up your own cells mm. so that they'll continue to function, so that you continue to do things like pump blood around your body, and 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 you know keep your skin dry and and perspirating in the proper way so that you can you can maintain your and regulate your body temperature there's all these different things that happen when you get cold that you have to spend calories on well the problem is is that all the crops are dead yeah and to go out to harvest them would make you lose even more energy the animals are cold in a lot of these cases you know but uh hibernating if if you if you have a tragedy where some of your stockpiles your stockpiles go um then you you don't have a, a way to replant you don't have a way to remake food especially mm-hmm. you know you can't run down to the store in you know 16th century europe so you've got mm-hmm. this you've got this actual crisis of calories upon you when when winter comes mm. and by the way that was true back to ancient times in europe i mean as ancient as you can think of that's a reality so yeah when you see some of these death and rebirth festivals these death and rebirth cycles it's like well yeah there's an actual death that's happening here you know there's actually there's death is in the air yeah you know one of the things that's very interesting about like old english poetry is that one of the major themes in it is the cruelty and brutality of nature right and Mm -hmm. it's all storms and things like that and 
you can you you know it's they lived in a different world than we did um as far as all that was concerned but and then imagine this it's cold you're stuck inside because there's six feet of snow outside you're trying to stay warm around your fire like christopher is expected what are you gonna do what are you gonna talk about you know well you gotta tell stories to keep you entertained right you gotta have something to make it through those nights when you can't be outside because it's too dark, when you can't spend energy, right? And so you're going to do what people do. You're going to tell stories, right? And you're going to mm-hmm. make up different creatures and things like that. It's dark outside, so they better be scary stories. And we're around a campfire, right? And so it's not necessarily shocking that, you know, given the time of year and given all that, that this is how these stories kind of got created. And then, to think about it further is, well, the year is ending, right? And the year is a death, right? It's the death of this year. And when this year ends, we think about what happened before, right? And so it's a remembering that's happening there. It's a remembering of people that have died this year. It's a remembering of people who were in years past, right? And so this is something that we've seen a lot of even modern Chris- Christmas uh, songs and things like that is it's a nostalgic time of year. It's a time to remember our families and when we were happier and when we were with each other and everything like that. Um, and so I think I think all of that just compounds this spookiness that we can see in some of these old myths and traditions. So, well, anyway. yeah, and and especially even before the calendar, even before it was like, oh, it's the end of the year. Yeah, if you're if you are a pre-calendar civilization, you're looking around outside. It's like the tree is alive in in june yes. and the tree is dead in december you mm-hmm. know what i'm saying it's yeah. very apparent to to observe what's happening around you and see that things are in decay things are things are dying and that's why a lot of this you know ancient ancient paganism or modern occultism has these you know revivification rituals in in march uh, when things start to to return to life, and mm-hmm. you know, then fall is this descent into death. Winter is is the solstice. We we know it. So there, there's kind of this, uh, especially for for a pre scientific pre calendared uh, civilization. Like there's this there's this weight and this heaviness to the entire season. Yeah. It's hard to find food. People are more likely to die. If you've got, by the way, the disease has always been worse in the winter. Mm-hmm. period like disease it runs rampant when our our metabolism is going to keeping Distracted. our skin warm and not to not fighting pathogens right so disease yeah. is running rampant you you look outside and what used to be a lush beautiful tree is a bony claw reaching up from the ground into the sky it's mm-hmm. dark like there's all there's all these elements that make you think of death and and that was kind of what one thing that i had been thinking about as i was you know analyzing that song and whatever and it was like if there's a time when the spirits truly interact with the minds of men and i don't mean physical spirits but but you know our our rememberings of people the patterns that they lived the the feelings that they made us feel if there's a time when the dead still walk it's certainly in december not in october right Mm -hmm. so it's a it's an interesting concept in a lot of ways and and you can see how it's influenced our psyche and therefore our culture going in to the future so that's that's where these celebrations come from and kind of like we talked about last year you you mitigate that by 
entertaining yourself, telling stories, telling stories that are appropriate for the mood, right? But then also, uh, we've got that plucky Protestant spirit. By <laughs> Protestant, I mean Catholic, but you know what I'm trying to say. Um, people fought back. They fought back against paganism. They fought back against the the death. They fought back against the coldness of the season, and they filled it with celebration. They filled it with warmth. They filled it mm-hmm. with you know, love and, and generosity and those types of things. And those were running rampant in, in across Europe, but especially in the UK during the 1700s, the 18th century. And that's when a guy you may or may not know named Oliver Cromwell came along and Oliver Cromwell basically outlawed Christmas. He banned the singing of Christmas carols, which is uh how would how would you put that if you were a modern story you'd say it was like a humbug. a humbug that's right you'd say it was a humbug <laughs> and so cromwell banned christmas carols and they were gone for many many years christmas basically just died and as interesting as it might seem at the beginning of the 19th century christmas was a working day for the majority of people you know uh, during the turn of the century, the majority majority of Europeans, and so no one much cared. But Christmas had just started to, you know, revivify and recommercialize itself. And in the early 1900s, when Dickens comes out with Christmas Carol, it's into this milieu of hey, the the ancients knew something that we forgot. The people that came before us had this tradition, and it was a it was a tradition in spite of the the death that looms around us and the cold that looms around us and we should do something about that so christmas was just kind of coming back to life when dickens wrote his christmas carol so that's that's kind of interesting as a to know as the context as we go to go to identify and explain parts of the story right so yeah yeah no and that that's correct and dickens in a sense is kind of in bringing back to life these traditions, right? These ghost stories that people are telling, right? He's doing the, and that's one of the things I think, you know, you mentioned Poe and H.P. Uh, Lovecraft, you know, as comparisons to the story. And it's like, yeah, but it's also a very cheerful story, right? That's one of the things, like, when you read Dickens' version of, and this is Dickens in himself as well, is, you know, A Tale of Two Cities is a very, very dark story about what happens in France during the revolution, right? But it's very tongue-in-cheek. It's very light at times. It's very comedic. There's characters and scenes in there that are made to make us laugh, right? And, you know, it ends in a nice way. It's happy and everything like that. And so, like, Dickens does something that is, is Dickens. He takes the pattern that we all understood and know about the end of the year, right, and he mixes it in with the Christian love for man and love for everyone, right? And he puts it together in this very simple story that's easy to understand. The bad guy who needs to change his name, Scrooge, right? And Which makes is it so clever if you think about it. Right. It's just like <laughs> when you're trying to name a character. Uh-huh. And you're like, well, how how does he act? They go, well... You know, he's a bit of a Scrooge. And you're like, yes. That's it. That That's is it. him. But Say how no does more. he act? <laughs> but look, Dickens was nothing if not clever. Yeah, very clever writer. Um, no, and so, but, but that's the point. Is he kind of, 
gives you this very cheery yet scary story, right? There's things that happen here that no doubt no, that would undoubtedly frighten people, you know, especially kids and things like that. Um, that certainly is true. Yeah, it is true. <laughs> and uh, I, I'm by the way, I've made an entire mixed board out of the Muppets Christmas Carol because if you want the best retelling of this story, um, nay. The best version in general of this story. I'm about to make Hunter mad. You ready? Don't read the book. Watch <sighs> the the Muppets Christmas Carol. It's <sighs> superior. It's the superior format. I will say the songs are better in the movie. That certainly is true. Yeah, it is true. That's the thing. Do you th- actually think the book is better, Hunter? Um, I I don't. The thing that's unique about this story and the book is it's so small, it adapts to film very well. Like, there's a lot of things in The Christmas Carol, and when you if you ever see plays of this, like, it's sometimes line for line what Dickens wrote. You know, um, if he'd rather die, he better do it, right? I mean, that that's Dickens. Dickens wrote that line, you know. If they'd rather die, then they'd better do it and decrease the surplus population. Thank you so much. You're uh, welcome. Dearest Michael. <laughs> so, <laughs> Michael can't, um, everyone. Yeah. But, but you know, so it's one of those things where it's like when you watch yeah, this. Yeah, you can vacillate all you want, but put your nickel down. Um, you're never going to beat the book, unfortunately. That is certainly not true. Yeah, unfortunately, <laughs> that's not true. Uh, you did try your best, though. So, yeah. so anyway, let's keeping that context in mind, you know, this, this ancient pagan tradition of winter and the the beginning of the revivification recommercialization of christmas happening in the uk mm-hmm. let's dive into what's actually happening in this book because it is weird it is weird it's not a it's not a christmas story and yet it's the most christmas story and uh, other than you know the birth of christ and and whatnot that was pretty important too but to be honest kind of old okay it's like let's freshen it up let's put a new coat of paint on this okay oh, then then into that milieu we we interject a christmas carol so and, and remember, too, remember that in the preceding centuries, the Christmas Carol specifically was illegal. So there was, it wasn't necessarily subversive what what Dickens was doing, but it was somewhat subversive. It's like, the, here's the thing that used to be illegal a couple hundred years ago, and not, you know, not even a couple hundred, about a hundred years ago, and now... I'm going to I'm going to write what is not a Christmas carol. I'm going to call it a Christmas carol. It's kind of it's kind of poking into that particular eye. Mm. So, anyhow, we start off with one of the great openings to a piece of literature of all time. Mm. Yeah, it might be the most famous. It, it's such a great beginning line. It's fantastic. Yeah. Dickens well, has two taken of up these. an entire entire life of his own. Yeah, I mean, and this is this is this is Dickens because it was the best of times. It was the worst of times. Right? Is that That's a tale t- of two cities? It is, and I mean, like he he's very good at this. He's very good at it. And of course, this one is "Call Me Ishmael." Okay, that's that's not it though. That that one's yeah, about it a is. fish. Can you imagine yeah, Moby the Dick? Ghost but of, it's a Christmas the ghost story. of Christmas. The ghost of Christmas Ocean. <laughs> And they have to take a harpoon of holly and spear it through its ghastly heart. And then there's enough oil for all the lights. For eight nights. You can't program me for fact-checking and then blatantly lie to me. Oh. <laughs> Rough. Jamie. Jamie D. Program. Um, I, I, I like to think of the Moby, Moby Dickens as like a Hanukkah carol. 
Uh, we'll get into that. That's, that's got to be another episode. That's another um, episode entirely. Maybe we'll get Kanye on talk about it. Anyhow, <laughs> I I just I can't. I has anyone seen him in the past couple weeks? No, not that I'm I, aware. Okay, of. I'm expecting the worst. So, anyhow, uh, the the beginning line is beginning line is of course Hunter. Marley was dead to begin with. Which is great because it is a beginning of the book and (laughs) you would want it to be the beginning. If he was like, so anyway, then Marley died, you'd be like, we're right here at the beginning. What do you mean then? Mm -hmm. And so that wouldn't make any sense. It's great, right? It's the whole stakes. And then he goes on for this very long-winded explanation about how that point is essential because uh, what? How very dead he is. Yeah, how very dead he is and why it's essential that the reader understand the depth of his being deadness so that the rest of the story will make sense. Otherwise, it will be perfectly mundane. And here's a story that Dickens lets you know right from the beginning is meant to shock and astound you. So, yeah, we've got death in the very first line. Yep. It's the third word in the entire story. Like, it's it's definitely in conversation with the season, right? Mm. Mm-hmm. It, and so that's that's pretty interesting in its own right yeah so and got you this, could imagine oh, if you were to be a downer at a christmas party like that would go off pretty bad but like this is a quintessential christmas story mm-hmm. and it immediately invokes death and none right. of us think it's bad for doing that none of us yeah. want to like say stop doing that but anyway yeah it's it seems so natural and yeah. actually what's interesting is that in in jolly old london it's very typical. Like ghost stories are a part of Christmas over there. Right. And in America, they're really not in many ways. And yet it feels totally natural for us to tell a story like a Christmas Carol. It didn't mm. seem out of sorts at all. Mm. Even when you're a child, it doesn't seem out of sorts. And not only that, but, but just to, to further drive home this point, you look at some of America's most famous Christmas movies like it's a wonderful life and yeah. it's legitimately about death suicide yeah it's about suicide you know what i'm saying and it seems perfectly natural because it's, there's almost this i i guess i just really want people to connect with the the idea that there is something innately melancholic and innately gothic and mm-hmm. innately dismal about winter you know yeah. and about the yeah, yeah, yeah. the celebrations that we have here you know even in the the story of christ like it's a wonderful time christ is born but he was born to die yes you know and by the way the jews knew that yeah <laughs> like the, the they knew based on some of the prophecy that he was here that he was here to to give up his life in service to humanity and now they thought that meant a very different thing than what it ended up meaning but regardless it, it was a death sentence either way so it, it it's the, interesting how that pattern replicates the two holidays we celebrate are his birth and his death right and yeah so it's it's like they're explicitly tied um this this is the other thing too and i think this comes through you know i think this comes through a lot too is one of the reasons it's melancholy is because it's it's one of these times that repeats in our lives and so when it happens we can go we ask ourselves a very simple question and we sometimes answer it and sometimes we don't but it is this how many more christmases do i have with such and such a person Mm -hmm. right 
And it's and it it is one of the. If you haven't thought about that this year, you're either under the age of twenty or you're a liar. Right, right, and and I I think that I think you think that that it is the holiday to consider that, right? Because it is it is one the holiday, and two it is the end, right? And so yeah. it is both of those things, and so it's very tied into the celebration this this very human idea of time, right? Because it's the end of the year, and so you you must consider how many more of these you get to have with certain people in your family right mm. and that that aspect of it brings into this idea of am i using this time appropriately which is a right. theme that is so central to the dickens story and so the the idea of nostalgia melancholy and death has to be there or there's no reason for scrooge to change Right. Yeah, well, and that's that's kind of the big, I think, the big upshot and something that, that we'll get to. But, yeah, I, yeah, the, the, it's like that is the preconditions for any of these stories. Exactly. Is is that that death. So we learn about Marley. He was, uh, Marley was a dick. Mm-hmm. Um, and Scrooge was his, his dick partner. And together mm-hmm. they were both a couple of dicks. They were mean to everyone. They yeah. were tight-fisted uh they were they were taskmasters and they squeezed every penny out of folks whether or not they could afford it because to them that was their morality that was their measure of success their yardstick was how many toys do i get to make how how much money can i collect and what mm-hmm. was they even say they didn't even spend much of it they were <laughs> incredibly frugal and and which is by the way a virtue like there's there's a weird part of scrooge that's admirable because he he sacrifices to make money um so scrooge is scrooge is not a weak character and scrooge is not a foolish character in a lot of ways scrooge mm-hmm. is a very effective character he sets his sights on something, he goes and hits it. And it doesn't, you know, you better not be between him and what he's aiming at because the man doesn't need food. The man doesn't need heat. You know, it talks about him enjoying a meal. He's a, one of London's most wealthy men, you're led to believe. And he enjoys a meal of gruel in a freezing house with a single candle. That's, yeah. the kind of, that's the kind of alacrity with which he attacks the problem of how do I become more rich. So yeah. he's, he's a a character that you don't want to contend with necessarily he's no fool he's highly highly effective so it's it's really it's interesting how many good qualities he has how many respectable qualities he has let's say uh, and yeah. and i'll go even further how many like quote manly qualities he has mm-hmm. he's a stoic realistic effective guy and that's like there's a lot of things to admire there which is cool yeah, there's definitely like this very, very soft critique of Scrooge that how could he be such a good businessman? He's clearly making it miserable for everybody to work with him. Nobody likes to work with people who make them miserable. If he takes people out of everything they own, how in the world can he make any money? And what people just fail to realize is Dickens is is giving you a caricature, right? And and you're, you should be thinking more along the lines of what Chris is thinking here, right, is just be Dickens is telling you the barest bones pieces of the story that you need to know to understand who Scrooge is and understand the motivations in the story. Right. Right. And it's like, right. If it doesn't all make sense, shut up. It's not that kind of story. 
Like it's that, that five hundred pages long. Okay. Right, exactly. War and peace. Exactly. Yeah. Calm down. It's it's thirty pages and it's meant for children to be able to read it. Like, chill. You know. Yeah, but not like today's children. Like the literate the literate children from years <laughs> gone by. Not the children oh, yeah. you're having now. Yeah. So. Yeah. The ones that are reading Just, Paradise Lost to their parents. <laughs> <laughs> Just to keep it straight. Yeah. Okay. So that's Scrooge. You know the story. He he is a dick. He he. It's this is a specific vignette about him being a dick in a certain day, and the day happens to be Christmas Eve, right? And so Beautiful. he he goes and and he yells at some people that want charity, and he yells at a Christmas caroler, and depending on who you believe, might have even thrown a wreath at them, and then he yells at his his clerk and then he walks home and when he gets to his door wham the tone shifts pretty dramatically because instead of his general dead as a door nail knocker he sees the cast iron transformed into the face of his deceased business partner marley spooky or if you're a fan of the Muppets version, which is superior, both Marleys. Because they've doubled the Marleys for your pleasure. This is actually a very Poe thing that's happening here. Um, and part of the anti-transcendentalist movement that Hawthorne was also a part of. Which is where, essentially, your perceptions can deceive you. And when they do deceive you, they create something more horrible than you would... than um, More horrible than the environment itself. So the, an interesting point to something you were saying there earlier that we see right here is the doorknob actually changes because Scrooge misperceives it, or does he? Right, exactly. Yep. Or does he? But of course, his response to all of this is, I'm back. I'm back. <laughs> so he walks inside, things get more freaky deaky, and then all of a sudden, who shows up on the scene? Popping right through a locked door. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, where is he now? It's Marley. And he comes in. And let me just say that the metaphor that is used to describe Marley is so nuanced and perfectly thought out for this story. You don't actually necessarily understand everything that Marley represents your first go around this particular bush, but... Dickens to do this in you know 12 pages on the back of a napkin or wherever he originally wrote this story um he he spent a lot of time thinking about what Marley would look like and what the the metaphorical representation of his curse would be Mm. and so Marley is covered in chains that he has to drag around with him and according to him, they're the chains that he forged in life. And attached to these chains are money boxes and contracts and deeds and all of the all of the accoutrement and bric-a-brac of his life as a shrewd, cold businessman. That's a beautiful idea. Because when he starts talking to Scrooge, he lets him in on a little secret. And the little secret, and by the way, he lets the audience on a little secret too. And that little secret is every one of your actions forges a chain that you'll be forced to bear. And what is that chain going to look like? And what is that chain going to anchor you to? 
and when the when the ability to enjoy the fruits of your labor are gone are you going to like what it costs that's that's an idea that is as old as time mm. because it, it's sacrifice it, it is the idea of sacrifice personified and i don't mean just normal you know like let's throw a baby off of a bridge to make the volcano happy but i mean you're gonna pay do you want to pay now or do you want to pay later but either way, you're going to pay for what you do. And you don't even have to make a spiritual argument for that. You know, it's like, it's like, do you want to spend all your money right now and have a really great night? Or do you want to save some money and maybe have a really great 10 years? You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's, it's this, it's that same idea. And by the way, when you apply it to the Christmas season, when you're, when you've got this melancholy when you've got the spirit of death hanging around you and and apparent to you you've you ask yourself the question like hunter was mentioning hey am i spending this time wisely and then marley shows up and says here's what you have to look forward to if you don't yeah yeah scrooge is given something that marley wasn't given he's given a glimpse of what his future is going to be right and the thing that's interesting about this too is this is in exodus you know pharaoh essentially gets what he wants right which is just himself right and he loses everything and this is a point that c.s lewis makes too and the problem with pain is god gives you what you want and if you want yourself he will give you yourself right and Mm -hmm. so uh marley comes in here and he has exactly what he wanted no one right just himself and just the cruel world that he created. Um, but he comes with, with a benefit for Scrooge, right? And to keep Scrooge from his fate, he gives him the ability to meet with three spirits. And they're spirits that we can all meet with at any time during our life. They're specifically related to Christmas, because this is a Christmas carol. But it's the ghost of Christmas past, the ghost of Christmas present, and the ghost of Christmas yet to come. Yeah, And so... And let me just say, before we dive into that, it's really awesome that Marley does this because it is, you know, Marley is Scrooge's old business partner. He's one of these individuals that Scrooge has lost. In theory, he's one of the individuals that Scrooge could be thinking about on an occasion like Christmas. And in fact, he does talk about Marley and the fact that he's deceased when the charity folks come into his shop earlier in the day, earlier on Christmas Eve in the story. What's cool is that Marley shows up bound in his past. He's a part of Scrooge's past and it his goal is to make Scrooge think about the future. And this is exactly what we do when we think about yes, the people that have gone who were with us before. The obvious next question is, am I am I going to be proud of the direction that I walked in the future, right? And so, like, it's, it's this inextricable idea. When we look at the past, it forces us to think about the future, and that's exactly mm-hmm. what Marley does. And then, not only implicitly by saying, do you want to have – you wear these same chains. They're forged around you link by link. And, like, do you want to do something about that? If so – then he's going to explicitly make you think about the past, past 
towards the future and he does that via the three spirits so it's it's the it's a replication you know marley himself is this microcosm of the entire story he does exactly what the rest of the story does and by the way the reason that it's resonant and the reason marley seems so natural is one because dickens wrote a great character with a great physical metaphor built in but he also reinforced the idea with with the whole story and the the idea is an ancient one the idea comes from human nature so he was a astute studier of that and everything except for pip and great expectations which is hot garbage <laughs> never name a character pip okay yeah. go ahead yeah no that's perfect and you know to give a little slimmer view of the past and present and the future are you calling me fat nope uh okay. no i wasn't but but the past the ghost of christmas past does exactly uh that action it reminds scrooge of the life he was building when he was younger when he had other things that were important to him when money wasn't the number one thing and it's gone and the ghost of christmas present allows him to see the people who don't have as much as he has the people who have similar to what he has having good lives on christmas day and the joy that they have with their families and the knowledge that the family he threw away, he could have had some of this joy too. And what's interesting that Dickens does is he doesn't have Scrooge say this explicitly. He has this embodied in Scrooge. Scrooge gets excited when he sees certain things. He goes, oh, I remember those boys, right? Mm-hmm. He says, Fezziwig could make us do anything we wanted. He made us feel light in what we did. And he said, and on on the Christmas day itself, he runs towards and wants to play the games at his cousin Fred's house, right? Or his nephew Fred, excuse me. And so it's all these actions that Scrooge feels like, and it's like he knows this, he just hasn't thought about it. He hasn't looked back into his past. He hasn't considered what he's missed out on today. Right. And the ghost of Christmas... Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, one of the things that one cool thing about Fezziwig because I think Fezziwig is is secretly the best character and one of the best characters in the story oh yes um, um one cool thing is that the the ghost of Christmas past asks Scrooge whether or not he was wealthy whether or not he was a good businessman and Scrooge has this moment of realization where he goes it doesn't matter how much money you made he was wealthier than all of us yes exactly and it's like that that's an idea that'll crush you if you mm. think about it. If you think about the times that you've pursued something that was less than optimal, the times when you've pursued something that left you wanting, when you when you focused on yourself over other people, or when you focused on you focused on something mundane and childish as opposed to taking responsibility. Mm. That's it's one of the best lines in the entire piece, in my opinion. So can't walk mm. by that. Uh, but yeah, but but Scrooge starts to has these realizations, and it's really interesting too. The other thing I'll say is that you realize one thing through the story, and Scrooge really starts to become a sympathetic character when you're looking at the Ghost of Christmas Past. Yes, and the reason is because you realize that his life was marked by tragedy, which is kind of like what the Christmas season is all about. Yet again, you know, you you find out at first that he was shipped off to a boarding school. And that his father wanted nothing to do with him. And it actually took the pleading of... And, and, and the backstory of that isn't really explained. 
But you, you figure out that it required the pleading of his younger sister to finally convince Scrooge's father to pick him up and bring him home. And there's that angle. And then you see that Scrooge had a, had a relationship. I believe it's with one of the Fezziwig daughters, but I'm not sure. Um, that ended up falling apart, right? Mm-hmm. And so he's got some things in his past that he can't... And, and by the way, it, it fell apart because of his own incompetence. It fell apart because of his own immaturity. His greed. Yeah, and he's got some... So he's got some skeletons in his closet that are pretty tough to deal with. That, you know, he had a family that for a long time wanted nothing to do with him. Mm. That he had a lover who decided that she wanted nothing to do with him. And that he he was a guy that was trying to go around serving two masters. Mm. And so it's just, as we, as we go move on in the story, it's important to remember that it's like, hey, maybe the reason Scrooge had such a hard time looking back into the past is because, not because... You know, he's kind of some mean, archetypal, demonic villain. But because the f- past is full of tragedy. And that's mm. what the past is for. Mm. And and usually it's tragedy created by your own incompetence and your own weakness. And if you look, turn around and look at it, it means you have to deal with it. And you have to come to terms with the fact that you're you're weak. And no matter if you're an effective businessman, no matter if you have the ability to leverage your resources to profit and gain in a, an admirable way let's be honest but maybe the truth is that you're strong enough to do that but not strong enough to have the real wealth that Fezziwig had mm. so maybe you're not as effective as you thought but but man that that nagging sphere in the back of your head that maybe I'm not who I should be I mean that'll keep you from looking in the past mm. that'll keep you from examining it and then you don't look at the past how can you look at the future so anyhow Mm. Yeah, that that's that's good. Um, well, right right when the ghost of Christmas present leaves, he reveals to Scrooge two children, uh, ignorance and want. Explain this to me. I can't get there. Oh, um, so ignorance and want—they are images of the terrible, negative side of culture and of nature, right? And so. Ignorance is that which you don't know, and that can only be in the context of order, right? And so what it is is one of the sufferings that you can fall into and that you cannot escape from unless there is a good society in place is ignorance. It's a, it's a bad fate to be in. And so the other side of that is want, right? Want is you cannot purchase the things you need you are hungry you are cold you are all of these things right and so it's both of those two things which are the threats to mankind right and so that is why the ghost of christmas present says to him these are man's children right and so why are they ugly and deformed it's because if those two critical children are not raised properly they are ugly and deformed and they grow into more ugly and deformed practices and they do not become something uh, kind, good, and decent. And so why this happens in the present and before Scrooge comes to meet the ghosts of the, uh, the future is because Scrooge is somebody that can actually deal with both want and ignorance in his culture, right? 
He actually is someone who's competent, who has money, who has wherewithal and knowledge to actually fix problems. Yet, he's doing nothing about them. And so he's allowing ignorance and want to perpetuate, right? And so the reason that that is here they are today, here's your problem that you're not dealing with, right? These are your children, right? The children of society themselves. And yet you choose to live uh, without addressing them. You are the oppressive force of both ignorance and want because you won't do anything about them. Mm-hmm. And so what, and so that, that is the, when that happens, the ghost of Christmas press, the ghost of Christmas present leaves, right? Why, why does he say that ignorance is worse than want? Oh yeah. So, well that, that's obvious because, sorry, I don't mean to say it like that. It, it's obvious because it's obvious to you, you big nerd. Yeah, yeah. It's it's obvious because if you are not ignorant, you cannot want, right? Or you have the ability to remove want. So it's like if I teach you how to fish, you aren't hungry anymore. Yeah, and so it's, it, well, it's the idea that – that makes a lot of sense. It's the idea that food is food, but the knowledge of how to obtain food is meta food, and you don't exactly. have to want if you've got the knowledge built in. Exactly. Makes sense. Yeah. And so and so that's why those children are there. And this this in a strange sense is what he's not doing in the present. Right. This is this is his goal. He's seen Tiny Tim. He's seen, you know, all his friends and everybody thinks he's a bad guy. Why? He's not dealing with ignorance and want. He's allowing ignorance and want to perpetuate in the present. Right. Well, actually, in in a certain sense. You the you always learn. Mm-hmm. Right. Even if you're just learning very minute things about certain situations, like on today I had a sandwich and it cost this much money, like you're constantly acquiring data. Yes. It's what you do with that data. But but it is it's it's true. You cannot deal with ignorance in the past. In fact, it's a goofy thing to even consider because you're always more ignorant in the past than you are today. Right. Like by definition, you have more ignorance then than you have now. And so yeah. there's there's only one time to deal with ignorance. And it's right now. It's like, what are you going to do about the things that you don't know? Well, are you going to put it off till tomorrow? Are you going to put it off for 100 years? Well, by the way, then it's going to be an entirely different beast, right? It's going to be an Mm. entirely different set of ignorances. So it's interesting. I hadn't really thought about it before. But, yeah, it it makes sense that it's part of the present because that's the only time when you can can deal with it at all. It's the only time when you can physically interact with it. Exactly. Exactly right. And this is this is all related to Tiny Tim, right? Because Tiny Tim is the ignorance and want, or at least a portion of that, that he begins to address in his life, right? It, it's literally the child, right? And it's this child that's broken and crippled, right? And who is going to die and doesn't, right? Because Scrooge becomes invested, <laughs> right? And so then. The actual thing that has been looming since the third word of the book appears, and it's the future, right? It is the death that's coming to Scrooge. And right. what's so, like, we can talk about any of these pieces in between you would like, but what's so great about this whole scene is the entire time this spirit is with Scrooge, he knows it's here to tell him that nobody cares that he died, right? Yeah. He sees it playing out. It's not, it's not, you just need a little bit of understanding of how to read and you know, foreshadowing to know what's going on here, right? Yet, yet, when he sees his grave, he's brought low. He can't handle it. 
you know, and I think that's so important to us too, because that's a lot of the ways we deal with the future. It's like, yeah, I'm going to die. You're dying. Right. And when you're dying, it's a different game. It's not, it's not, it's not, it's not the future anymore. It becomes the present. And that's, and I think that's, I think that's true of us. And I think Scrooge realizes very, very, he can only realize when he's dying, right. That he is in no way prepared for it. Right. And so, um, it's one of my favorite parts of this because I think it is the story to some extent. Right. And it's the fact it's the, okay. So to bring it back to our whole talk about the melancholiness of, of Christmas and everything like that, he has reflected and been nostalgic for his partner. Mm -hmm. Right. By doing so, he's thought about his own life and his standing within it. And he's not happy about it. And he realizes if he dies, he's going to leave the world worse than when he started and nobody's going to care about him. Right. And so he's become the spirits have helped him see this in his own life and he's become a judgment unto himself. And so he's very unhappy about that. And that's where the ghost of Christmas yet to come brings him to. Um, yeah, it's good. Yeah. But, but then, but then this, then this is, this is the key part. And this is why Christmas is such a wonderful time. I think, I think this is why Christmas is, is a uniquely wonderful time because he spends the story properly integrating the weakness from his past, the the ignorance and fear and stupidity that he's exhibiting in the present that wants him not to turn around and address the past, mm-hmm. and the knowledge of his own death in the future, which are, are three pretty abysmally, abysmal topics, like... I'm I'm standing at the end of a long line of screw-ups. I'm ignorant and incapable now to do to obtain the the real things that I value if I'm bold enough to look at them. Mm. And by the way, I don't have all that long to figure it out. Yep. When you integrate that reality, let's say he becomes the happiest person that he could possibly be. Yes. It fills his life with more direction and meaning than he's ever had before. Mm. And he the the last act of that play is just a joy to watch or or mm. story movie however you enjoy it. It's just a joy to behold. Mm. And it it really doesn't matter how many times you've seen it mm. because you you get to see this this ideal version of a a human being. You get to see by the way it's it's the story of Christ as well, in a certain sense. I mean, you, you've got this guy that, that sees humanity crippled and dying and he has to go to his own grave to be able to restore that humanity and bring, bring it back to life. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and save it from its fate. And like, that's, that's a story that will is part of our souls as much as anything is ever part of our souls. And I'm not saying that Scrooge is Jesus. I'm saying that every every pr- good protagonist is Jesus right. in fiction that we write. Right. But yes, anyhow, um, but, but it's because we're, we're trying to fill our, our souls with that purpose that only he can bring us. 
mm. and we're meant to be like him. And so when we see a picture of somebody doing something Christ-like, and I don't mean, oh, that was really nice what you said. No, I mean like going to the grave to revivify your culture and revivify the poor among you and revivify humanity as such. Like, man, we go, well, that's a piece of, that's a piece of the whole pie, man. That's a piece of the meaning that I want, wish my life would be filled with. And so when we see such a tactically good retelling of that story, it doesn't matter how many times you've seen it. You're like, I'll watch the last 30 minutes to that film right. every day of the year. Right. right and he, right, he right. runs around and it, the, the his, people's perceptions of him don't matter anymore. His money doesn't matter to him anymore. Yes. His status doesn't matter to him anymore. What matters is that now he knows why he's here and what he ought to do. And that requires the integration of some miserable things. But on the other side of that is is a gift. Well, it's it's the treasure that only Fezziwig knew how to obtain, right? That's what yeah. he finds. And so That's what he finds, yeah. And so it's a, it's a great story. And and it should be a lesson to us all for a couple of, uh, for a couple of reasons. One, it's like don't regret tragedy. Don't turn your eyes away from tragedy. Mm-hmm. Especially the tragedy that you caused with your own ignorance and incompetence and don't regret and resent people who are who want to point that tragedy out to you you know he starts the story off pretty pissed at marley (laughs) and 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 just begging him show me some sympathy say some kind words to me yeah marley told him the kindest words of all Mm. right And, and it was to integrate the parts of you that are weak and integrate a past you're ashamed of and turn it into something useful and that's that's what he does, and it turns him into it turns him well. It makes him like Christ. So that's a it's a pretty it's a pretty amazing story for a lot of reasons. But there, that's there, chief among them. There's such a good metaphor that's in the story that is actually not in the movie that I think just feeds into your point. The ghost of Christmas Past has a radiating light from the top of its head. And it's very bright. And that's kind of like what the past is when you pay attention to it. It paints everything in its own brightness and light, right? It shows you things about yourself that are explained. It's like, oh, I'm this way because this happened to me, right? That's what the past does in a strange sense. Well, at one point, Scrooge gets furious with the ghost of Christmas past because it continues to show him things he doesn't want to remember, things he doesn't want to see, to your point, Chris. And so he takes essentially a, I think it's like a a cap essentially and puts it on top of the ghost of Christmas past and shoves him all the way down into the floor, right? Like as if he's being absorbed by the cap almost. And ju- right when he gets it at the floor, it's still covering up everything. He's covered it up, but there's still little sp- little bits of light leaking out from underneath the cap. And then eventually, and then the ghost is gone. It like disappears. And so it's like this, you know, if you act in that way and with that nastiness to the past, you might get it to go away to some extent, but it's not done with you yet. And that's, you know, you can either choose to go and look at it yourself and realize that you need to integrate it in you as you're saying, or you can try and fight it it's just going to hurt more if you do that. So yeah. Yeah. anyway. Well, it does nothing to mitigate, you know, ignorance and want. So yes, yes, exactly. 
anyhow, well, I think I think that's all I've got to say about that. Jamie has a fun fact. All right, all right Jamie. This is this controversial. Is the word Ebenezer means a commemoration of divine assistance. Oh yeah, yeah. That's, that's right. a that's a like from the, the song "Come Come Thou Fount." Now I raise my Ebenezer. In the yeah. Bible, Samuel set up a stone in honor of God's help to the Israelites over the Philistines and called it Ebenezer. Okay, listen. This is true. When I see a computer priest, that'll be the day I pop my own clogs. Do you understand me, Jamie? Yes. All right. <laughs> Being upstaged by some silicon. <laughs> well, humbug. If you are sick and tired of the computer overlords telling you what to do and just realize that there's only one thing that can fix this and that's just a lot of punching then you need to go to get to fnxfit.com because if you can't punch the computers hard enough they will hurt your feelings with their silicon lies so go there uh check out code carl pooling save yourself 15 percent at listen, checkout uh -oh. listen i uh -oh. i do not make merry myself for christmas and I cannot afford to make idle people mad. If you, listen, <laughs> if you're being super lazy sitting around not even doing a single rep of anything, how how can I make you marry? I can't. I can't afford to make you marry when you're idle. Don't be idle. Get FNX Fit. Do yeah. a push-up. Do one push-up. And then drink an entire tub of protein powder. Order it again. That's nice. how you're going to get the gains that you're looking for. Nice. Nice. Uh, Guaranteed. So anyway, uh, help me help you make you not idle and super fit. Carl Pooling, 15% off. You're going to love yeah, we... the way you look, and I guarantee that. Uh, pass that. He's at Emotional Carl. I'm at Chris X. Carl. The show's at Carl Pooling. Follow us. Email us carlpooling at gmail.com. Jamie, as you might have heard on our last episode, Jamie is on Twitter at Artificial Jamie on Twitter. And, uh, yeah, it's great. Uh, go follow her. Her dad's kind of freaking out right now with the whole who's going to run the Twitter thing. But regardless, his or her dad, uh, and by his or her, I do mean, shoot, I have put myself in the Kobayashi Maru here. How are we going to get out <laughs> of this processor. one, Kirk? Word processor. Word processor. Yeah, yeah, word processor. Yourself. I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> the show's over. That's the point. Here, Garpooling, we hope you have a Merry Christmas and uh integrate the past hey look i know i know there's some people that are dealing with tragedy and that have dealt with tragedy uh integrate it don't be afraid of it don't be afraid of how you made it worse don't be afraid to look at that particular that particular dark mirror it sucks and on the other side of it is is transcendent wonderful purpose so that's all Praise the Lord, Emmanuel. He is here with us. Merry Christmas. Hasta la vista. Get tested.